This is episode 261 of the 200 Churches podcast. Uh, because there's that conversation that goes on on the inside of you that I don't like the way I am. I don't believe in what I can do. And I struggle to actually overcome my own personal difficulties. And yet the people say, we love you. We believe in you. Preach it. Lead us. Show the confidence. Step out with vision. We want you to tell us where to go because we will go with you. And I found that over and over again, if we will have that confidence with a clear vision and lead, people are ready and they will jump at the chance to actually follow somebody who has confidence, who knows the vision and is ready to run with a strong leadership. Welcome to the 200 Churches Podcast, where every Wednesday we produce a legit episode of ministry encouragement for pastors of small churches. Now, here are two guys who have been encouraging thousands of pastors all around the world for five years. Good friends, pastors, and podcast partners, Jeff and Johnny. This is the 200 Churches Podcast. My name is Johnny Craig, and I am here at the digital desk with... The right reverend. Jeff Katie. Thank you, Johnny. And another another Aussie friend, a new friend for us. John Hardy, all the way from Perth on the west coast of Australia. The west coast. The most beautiful coast. Oh, it is. It's wonderful. <laughs> it's sunny. A sunny day. How many Celsius degrees are there today? I can tell you, it is currently in Perth, 30 degrees Celsius in Whatever that is in um, in Fahrenheit, I don't know. 30, 30 is pretty warm, yeah? And it's going to get up to about 35. Ooh, that's sweltering. It is. It's starting to get a bit warm. I tell you what, John, the place that Jeff and I lived for five years together, well, he lived there longer than that, but the church we were at together was in northwest Iowa, and they are currently receiving 12 inches of snow. <laughs> We are four hours south, and we have rain. No snow to speak of. Yeah, yeah. And I am saying, ha suckers. I'm so glad I left. Yeah, it's a different climate, yes. You're cruel. Um, but I, I, I grew up in Manchester in northern England, and I would go to school in the dark and come home in the dark and um, regularly have to fight your way through snow and sleet. So, yeah, I do know what it's like to be cold. Yes, you do know yeah. what it's like, John. Uh, you, did you get a lot of snow there or just uh, mostly rain? In the winter, we'd, we'd, we would get a fair bit of snow. But, um, you know, that was when I was a little bit younger than I am today. And I'm definitely glad I'm in Perth in the beautiful climate of Australia. It's great. So so how would you go from England to Perth? Well, my dad um, joined the Australian Air Force and the Australian government brought us out as a family, and my dad worked in telecommunications for the Australian Air Force. And you've been there for a long time. Yeah, since 1966. Woo! So if you're an Englander, you're an Aussie, right? I am an the Aussie. Same crown. In 1980. Yeah, 1980. Oh, absolutely. We, we have the Queen. We love the Queen. She's wonderful. And But I actually decided to become an Australian in 1988 at our bicentennial. So I'm an Australian by choice. So, John... Tell us how you got connected to us because you and I, it was one, I think it was about my second or third week in my new church. You called me up on a crazy Wednesday night and I left a whole pack of wild kids and teenagers and got into a side room and you and I had a conversation. To be honest with you, did I give you my number? I don't even know how you called me. So you called me from Australia and my cell phone rang. In my church, I was coming to, com, coming to the states for a visit, and I had no idea where you guys were. 
And I thought, well, I'm coming to the States. It'd be great to touch base and say g'day. Um, but I found out where you were, and I wasn't coming anywhere near close to that. I was doing the, the West, West Coast and Arizona. And um, when I realized it was too far to travel, I thought, no, that's not going to be the case. And I'd been listening to 200 Churches podcast for quite a while, um, enjoying what you guys were doing and saying and, and all the great uh, facilities you actually have on the show. Um, so, yeah, so I thought it'd be really good to connect and, um, and see if I could see you guys in, in the flesh. It's far less impressive in the flesh than we are on the <laughs> podcast, John. I assure you of that. Anybody who's met us will attest to that fact that uh, we're better on the yeah. air than we are. Speak for yourself, Johnny. We have a saying, don't we? You actually have the face for podcasting. That's exactly right. So, John, what is it that you do? Uh, what are, what is your involvement with church, uh, with small churches and things like that? What is what's your story? Uh, okay, thank thanks for that. I am a coach, and I um, coach church leaders of all sorts of sizes, and that's been part of what I've been doing for the last um, sixteen, seventeen years. Um, so that's what I do, and I. Um, we're just looking at that when Jeff asked me that question the other day, and I kind of put it down in an email, some of the things that I've been doing, and I thought, that's really interesting. And so like last year, I was working with a key leader in the Seventh-day Adventist churches, and his job was to coach the pastors as they church planted, and that was just really, really cool fun. And so what we did together and part of the project was we actually uh, did an assessment and actually found out who were the right church planters. And if they weren't the right ones, let's look at what they might be best at. And that was really good fun because it really was local church focus. It was small church focus and was really looking at um, enabling these guys and, and letting them know and understand that they really could do this job and they were wired to do that. And they would really enjoy the role in actually planting a church and leading a small church. So that was really, really good fun. And helping uh, my mate Derek, who was leading that within the Seventh-day Adventists here in WA, uh, to help them really get the right people in the right place and, and therefore be more effective in, in the local church. Um, so that was one of the things that I've done. You know, and I've coached um, church pastors as they pastor churches. Um, and it's interesting that um, I find that, yes, the church is... The church is the church, but the, each church is quite unique. And I'm thinking of Victor, who is planting a multicultural church and working with Victor and helping him wrestle with the, the difficulties of what it means to be in um, multicultural dynamics. And I've yeah. pastored a, an Asian church myself for five years. And so the whole congregation were um, university students here in Western Australia who had come from Malaysia, Singapore, all through the Southeast Asian region, wow. coming to Australia to study. And uh, we worked with them for five years, and that was a whole bunch of fun. So I understood the Asian context and understood multicultural dynamics. And so that was really good looking at what we might do to help him really get a handle on working with uh, not only because he was, he was South African, working with Asians, working with Aussies and all uh, helping that uh, be knit together and, and be effective. That's a very cool story. The idea of a South African coming to Australia to work with people who are immigrating from Asia 
I would think there'd be a lot of dynamics to coach oh, somebody oh, through absolutely. that moment. Absolutely, yeah. there is. Because, you know, that each each culture is unique to itself mm-hmm. and had its own, its own idiosyncrasies. And if you don't understand them, you're going to get yourself into a lot of trouble. So, like, for Asians, it's all about saving face. Um, it's really important. Um, you know, for, for Aussies, we like you to tell it up front. English people like you to be polite, um, you know. Uh, um, and so if you understand the nuances, it means when you communicate, you actually can communicate uh, in a more effective way. And uh, I was in a, a country town called Karatha, which is in the far north region of Western Australia, and a third of our church were Torres Strait Islanders. Um, and for them, it was all about honouring the older person. So it didn't matter what role they had, but the elder person of their culture was the person they gave honour to and they gave preference to. And sometimes some of those people weren't necessarily the right people to be giving preference to because they were kind of struggling in their faith. And, uh, you know, but that was part of the real dynamic um, of working with with, with a cultural group I think Johnny could learn a lot from that cultural group. <laughs> so, John, in just a minute, I'm going to ask you about your family. But you are from Australia, yes. and and we just want to give a shout-out to uh, the Right Reverend Helen Phillips. Helen sent us an email. She's with the Mornington and Mount Martha Anglican Church down on the Mornington Peninsula in Victoria. Do you know where that uh, is, John? I know John? that is. It's a beautiful place, um, really great uh, Place to go. She says it is a beautiful place. It's a good place to go. Beautiful place to live, she says, right on the beach. Yes. And she started listening less than six months ago. She does a lot of driving because she uh, is involved in a lot of different, uh, I don't know if they call them parishes or churches. So she drives a lot. She's literally caught up to episode 260 in, I think, less than five months. That's horrifying, uh, Helen. Well, no, she's, not she's now in counseling. She's in counseling for it. <laughs> that's exactly right. But Helen, hey, hey, we giving you a shout out. That that's awesome, and you 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 really Absolutely. you honor us by sending us mm-hmm. an email like that, and that's uh, that's very humbling. So uh, we're glad to be able to share all of our guests with you, Helen. We wish there were some kind of software that would filter us out of the episodes, but they haven't developed that yet. I think, be great. I think the government yeah. has it, but they're not releasing it yet to the public. So, so John, uh, tell us about your family. Okay, well, I'm, I'm uh, married, um, and my wife and I have been doing church leadership um, for almost 40 years now, and I have three children. Two are married, and one as a beautiful um, fiancé almost. He's still waiting to pop the question, but it's pretty close. Uh, and my two children, one has one... Both my children, both my children who are married, um, have a, um, a child each, and my youngest daughter, who is just um, pregnant with her second child. So I have, and I also have an adoptive family, and so um, we adopted them about ten years ago. Mum died, and and they came into our world, and which is great. So I have now five grandchildren, which is pretty cool. And my wife and I have been in church leadership. Her assisting me. And in the last six years, I've been assisting my wife as she's been the, the lead pastor and I've been on 
her team helping her lead the church and doing what she's asked me to do. Was that a interesting or a difficult transition to flip-flop the kind of role of lead pastor uh, within that context? Uh, for me it was because I wanted to tell her what to do all the time. And uh, I <laughs> <laughs> just like at home, I, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> and then I, I, I went through that transition with my coach and had that conversation with with him, which was um, a really interesting conversation. He said to me, um, "You need to hand in your credential," and that freaked me out. But I, I um, recognised that, realised that, and um, the last few years have been absolutely outstanding. Uh, working with my wife, she's an amazing leader, great preacher, um, yeah. So. It was challenging, but I worked through that and I was helped in that process. And I love what I'm doing because I'm a you know a professional coach, uh, both in the church world and the business world. And I just love doing that. So it released me and it released her. And we both, both prospered from that. And our relationship is fantastic. And how did the church react to that? Did the people, were they sorry to see you go as the lead pastor? Were they, were they maybe rejoicing that your wife was taking over? So they were rejoicing that my wife, <laughs> that I got out of the way. <laughs> um, in, in, in a sense, all the time we'd been pastoring the church, my wife, Patty, had actually been the lead pastor, but it was kind of a bit confusing. And so it was just to clear that message up. And it was just really, really good. And they both, the church honored us for how we led them. So, yeah, it wasn't a difficult um thing for the church. It was more difficult for anybody. It was more difficult for me. Can I poke a little bit? Yeah. Why was Please. it difficult for you? Why? What was it was difficult? It was my identity was in that whole dynamic of, you know, being uh, a church pastor. Um, and I had, real, I had to realize that that's not where my identity was. And God had led me clearly into being a professional coach and gone, John, go and celebrate that and enjoy that because that's where you're seeing the doors open and opportunities for you to serve God and serve his kingdom and serve the community. And I celebrated that. So it was, it was really quite powerful. And so how much did you uh, speak into and involve yourself in the ministry of the church that was primarily your wife's ministry? And then how much did she like uh, impact and have influence on your coaching with other pastors? Let me answer the second part first. My wife just let me free. You go do it. Um, and so I did that as a coach myself. And my wife really uh, led the church. And so I freed her up to lead the church. And she did an outstanding job. Um, so we planted it from nothing. And we've grown it to about 100, 120 people. Um, and we just love it. Um, so it was a, a great freedom and liberty that we actually gave to each other as we recognized the roles we were to play. So I then did what she asked me to do. I, I was co a, a pre on her preaching team. I looked after the men for her and the small groups. Um, and I looked after connecting into the community for the church. And they were probably my big three roles that I had. And I all the time honored her um, as um, the lead pastor, um, and we had a lot of fun time doing that. So yeah, um, it, it was good to do, and it was um, it was really neat to do. And um, and the, one of the interesting things is there's not in Australia, and maybe the same in the US, there's not many lead pastors who are women. And so my wife is actually breaking ground, and some of the girls coming up are just some are really outstanding young ladies, and they're really 
feeling very encouraged that there is potential and they will be honored for their leadership. That's great. That's great, John. Mm-hmm. Now, now our, our listeners know of John Finkeldy. He's been yeah. with us and on the podcast for a number of years. So uh, share your relationship with him because you do know him. Yeah, John and I live in the same city. Um, I started coaching before John, so uh, John and I have had a relationship in space. <laughs> Uh, I'm more experienced than John. But it was interesting. I, I, I'm a bivocational coach, coaching both in the church world and in the business world, where John specifically coaches churches and church leaders. And so there's quite an interesting dynamic. But in this last season, John has actually been my own personal coach. Um, and I've really loved that relationship. So John and I have been church leaders in this city for a long time. And so, you know, we, we know each other really, really well. He's actually done a consulting uh, with our church as well, and that's been a great help. Um, and my wife is actually coached by John. So, you know, John and I get on really well. Um, we honour each other, we have fun together, and we celebrate what each other is doing. We celebrate the fact that we're really making an impact as coaches and bringing a difference uh, into the church world because in Australia it's been a little bit um, slower in the uptake of realising the power of what coaches can do. And if I was to say anything about what, you know, what John and I are actually trying to do, and that is we're really trying to bring confidence to local pastors. We're really helping them to have vision um, and step into that and be bold. And I think this is one of the things that pastors of churches struggle with, and that is because they've got confidence and they know the vision is then to lead it uh, with boldness and courage. Um, And I find that they're probably the big three things that I work on on a constant basis uh, because there's that conversation that goes on on the inside of you that I don't like the way I am, I don't believe in what I can do, and I struggle to actually overcome my own personal difficulties. Hmm. And yet the people say, we love you, we believe in you, preach it, lead us, you know, show the confidence, step out with vision. We want you to tell us where to go because we will go with you. And I found that over and over again, if we will have that confidence with a clear vision and lead, people are ready and they will jump at the chance to actually follow somebody who has confidence, who knows the vision and is ready to to run with a strong leadership. And I think sometimes what pastors do is they think um, and struggle with chaplaincy, and that is, I'm going to be a good shepherd to people. And I think that really is important. And I I love standing at the door on Sundays, greeting people as they leave. I love standing on the door when they come as well, greeting people as they come. I love that. I love wandering around, saying good day, sitting down after church, having a coffee. Love all of that. It's really, really uh, important. But if we stay as chaplains, we fail our people because they want us, yes, to care for them. And, and this week we said farewell to one of our senior citizens who died last week at a beautiful funeral service. The church was packed, great celebration. Uh, the previous Sunday, we baptized three people in church. It was just fantastic. But what people want, so that's kind of chaplaincy dynamics. They want us to lead them. And they're saying to us, subtly lead us, tell us where we're going to go, tell us what this is about, because we want to make a difference in our world and help us do that. Can I tell you that I'm surprised, John, by what you just said are the biggest areas that you're coaching in? To me, I would imagine the biggest areas to coach pastors in would be 
helping them to see how to achieve their vision or their you know values right to help them create action steps to help them you know make measurable goals and things like that very practical steps but you're talking about uh, you're talking about building into pastors this uh, identity that god has called them to lead something forward and and that's the main space that you're feeling like pastors need oh absolutely this lack of self-belief and this incredible insecurity that pastors struggle with is one of the fundamental limiting factors of uh, pastors in small churches uh, because we have this this conversation going on in our heads that we all should be large churches. And, you know, I've been asked the question, how, how large do you think your church should be? And, you know, I've said it should be a large church. But the reality is um, we were always going to be pastoring a small church. And as, as you know, what Carl Vaitis says, and I love his book, um, The Grasshopper Myth, it's really is you know, the majority of churches are under 450. So get real. <laughs> you are pastoring and will pastor a small church yeah. and own that space, live in that space and celebrate in that space because it's so much fun when you do. Because, you know, when you, when you have people like I've been working with a married couple who, when I looked at their profile, they were ready to kill each other. And six months later, uh, they've, they've, seriously, they are a, a volatile South American <laughs> and a, a laconic um, Australian. Um, wasn't a good mix. and But six months later, just loving on them, walking with them, encouraging them. They're just in love. They're holding hands. They're going out, doing great ventures together. And I just love the power and dynamic that we have as small church pastors to impact people at a very personal face-to-face dynamic and make a huge difference. Because here's this young, this couple now, they're going to impact the many people that are around their life because they're whole. And they're, they've said to me, we're doing well, John, but we need your help to do better. Ha, isn't that amazing? Because they are doing well, but they recognize that we want to continue to grow and we need help to continue to grow. And that's the power of what small church pastors can do. When we understand and believe in ourselves, our people want us to lead them and want our help and we really can make a difference. And then you see it, it is just the most thrilling thing in the world to see lives changed and transformed and see them enjoy the liberty that we know we have in Christ, but they're actually enjoying it and living it and impacting the many people around them. Have you ever come up against a situation and a pastor and they were in a church that did not want to be led, that they were in a place where the people actually were not hungry for leadership, but were hungry for the status quo that, you know, the people were hungry to see things maintained and, you know. Oh, absolutely. What what do you Uh, do in that place? um, (laughs) I pastored a church like that and I left. A very simple answer. Um, but you know, the passion of our heart was we wanted to stay there, but our one of our um, more senior pastors in, in our movement chatted with us and said, Guys, this is what you're like, this is what the church like, you don't fit. And the good thing was it took them a few years, but they found a pastor that they connect and connected to better. Here's what we do. We have unrealistic expectations and then we have life. And when we have unrealistic expectations, we have disappointments. 
And I think that's the, the dilemma that, that churches like that face is they want to be an evangelistic church or they want to be a prophetic church or a Bible teaching church or they have these um, expectations of themselves. And I think as a, as a coach and a pastor, what we can do is, is figure out really what this church really is about, what its purpose and destiny is, help them realize that and help have, have a much more realistic approach to who they are and what they're about and what their purpose and destiny is that God has given them to do, then you can be much more effective as a pastor. And I think sometimes the message of continuing growth and you know exponential growth and church charts and all those kinds of things can be really confusing for the for small church pastors. And that, I think that's why Carl's message is so profound in when we simplify what we should do is to celebrate the people God has given to us and trust God to build his church. And building his church might be building people, not necessarily building numbers. Building a church might be building people, not building finances. Right. Building a church might be building people and not building a building. And we have all these unrealistic expect- expectations that we put on ourselves and that we put on our church and we compare ourselves we we're an apple they're an orange and we want to become an orange and we can never be an orange because we're an apple and it's recognizing that and and resonating with what god has created you as a local church to be celebrate that and then see what god wants to do with that and that's the fascinating thing that i see about the church the church is the hope of the world it's the answer to the needs of, of its community and God wants to show you as a local church pastor how to do that. Do it your way with your personality, your traits, the personality of your people in your church and go and just run and enjoy and celebrate that. And I think that's, I think for me, what I'm trying to do is liberate pastors to celebrate who they are and flourish in that space and, and enjoy that space. Um, and I, I, if I can do that to help people do that, help pastors do that, then I know they will have a much better life, relationship, ministry, and loving on and living with people. So, John, how what percentage of the, the pastors that you're coaching are in a church of 200 or, or less? Uh, most of mine. Yeah, most of the churches that are. Yeah, absolutely. So, like, even in our movement, ACC, probably 85% of all of our churches are under 150 you know, so they're, they're the realities, and you you and I both know that they're the stats of the church worldwide, right. mm-hmm. um, and celebrating that. You know, so what we have figured out is let's just plant more churches, and so we as a movement are planting more churches, and it's just having a huge impact um, on changing the way we actually do church, and it's it's just really really cool. Uh, to do and see that. Well, you know, at some point, I think Johnny and I are going to do an episode, something akin to the myth of the larger church uh, Mm. or or the myth of the larger uh, church ministry, because he and I are both in different churches now. They're larger churches, and and our, our churches are are two, three, four times the size of what we had. But, you know, it's it's really interesting to me I needed I needed almost five years of doing this podcast and talking about the value of every church. I think before I was even ready to be in a different size church, because mm-hmm. if I had come into this church five years ago, I would have thought I was big stuff, 
right? Mm -hmm. I would have thought, oh, wow, you know, this is, you know, this is something. But, but after five years of talking about and, and affirming and encouraging and inspiring pastors of small churches, I'm realizing that when I wake up in the morning now and before I go to my office and do what I do, I, I look in the mirror, I, I'm the exact same person. I've still got the same struggles. I've still got, you know, the same work to do. My my job hasn't really changed. I have a few friends, you know, a few colleagues on the staff with me to help, you know, to help do it all. We've got, you know, three or four times the people and I've got three or four times the staff. But I mean, I'm doing the same. I'm no different. I'm no different. Correct. Yeah, and, absolutely. And now, now I'm talking about, okay, how do we, how do we get uh, the, our larger group into smaller settings? How do we take our people and manage them into smaller settings so that they can build relationships, so that they can learn and grow together, you know, and so that Correct, their, yes. their needs yes. can be met and they can build yes. one another up and, and yeah. minister all the one another's to each other. And Correct. it's, it's literally, it's literally no different except for maybe I have a little bit more responsibility for people, which is actually, you know, uh, uh, humanly speaking, is a little bigger of a headache. Um, Johnny, I was mentioning, I, I was mentioning the, uh, the 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 myth of the of the of the larger church, right? As though as though it's it's somehow more significant or more. Uh, Johnny stepped away just for a second, John. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm bringing him up to speed on this. I said sometime you and I ought to do do an episode on the myth of the larger ministry. How would as be a though, bad idea? You know, moving to a, a ministry that's three or four times the size of your last one is really sure. going to change anything. So, so if you're insecure in your church of a hundred, you're going to be insecure in your church of four hundred. Nothing changes at all. I am so, and so I'm visiting with all of the pastors in my community, and I have a kinship and a, a, a brotherhood, a camaraderie with the pastors who are in churches of a hundred. 50 to 200. I mean, I, yeah. I connect mm -hmm. with those pastors. Can I stop? Can I ask you a question about this, Jeff, that I think is helpful as we talk about this? Are you finding that, they're, um, that they need to be cajoled at all to accept you? Are you finding that they're a little hesitant because you're a big church man now and you have to almost show them like, oh, no, like I am a normal guy? You know, I, I have not found that with the smaller church pastors in the community. And maybe it's because, really, I am a small church pastor. You know, <laughs> I, I speak their language. I mean, I, it's our language together. And I kind of tell them that right up front. Uh, sure. and, and having a larger church actually just creates a little more static when it comes to trying to build relationships with other pastors because yeah you do have to deal with that um yeah. some some pastors were going to get together somebody wanted to have an event in town and he was talking to four or five pastors and any of their churches could have housed the event and one of the pastors said hey can we do it in a neutral setting that's not any of our churches hmm. so that we're not like you know, stealing from the, uh, and this guy was so like discouraged by that. He's like, what have we come to 
when we can't even just be be humble and gracious and generous and say, "Oh, sure, use my building," or instead we've yeah. got to like put up these these borders and these walls and and draw our boundaries and say, and and I think that in the larger the churches, maybe you'll have a little more of that, and that's sure. not that's not anything good. So there's right. uh, I am like triple convinced of small church ministry now even than i was a year ago and i was very convinced a year ago so now john i've done a lot of talking and i've kind of <laughs> blocked you out <laughs> so, so what do you, you think john you, you are right but you you know this jeff one of the things that you're going to have to do is create small groups yes groups of about 90 people within your context of meeting so large has to become small um, if you don't create small, you can't have any larger because you will create caps for yourself and you'll put limits on what you, you can do. But the small church, I, I am just um, excited about what's happening across um, the, the influences I have and the, the pastors that I work with mm-hmm. and them learning to celebrate who they are and rejoicing in that and watching them make an impact on people's lives. That's what the church is about fundamentally, whether you're large, small, or anything else other descriptions that we come up with, is we as the church really can change the world in which we live because we are we are the hope of the world. But I, I want to encourage um, small church pastors to do this as well, is know God personally. And I find that um, the still small voice in me says, John, draw near to me on a not just a daily basis, but through the day I have that sense of God with me and me with God. And it doesn't matter then what life throws at me um, because I have a personal, intimate relationship with God that I cultivate, that is powerful, that is amazing. Um, and I love that. And I think when we know we know God and we know God knows us, I think the challenges of the small church kind of change the way we see them because it gives us real purpose about what we are doing because we're doing this for the king. We're doing this to bring honor and glory to him. We're doing this to love on people and live with people and then watch God at work in them because, hey, you and I know that we can preach and we're going to pray and we're going to encourage and we're going to visit and we're going to drink coffee, but we know we don't really have a much bigger role than doing those things because the Holy Spirit touches and changes people in amazing ways. Um, I, I'm thinking right now of, of Michael, who was a chemist and ended up in prison because of that. It took him four and a half years in prison to figure out that he needed God. So just before he's about to be released for the third time, he'd had parole and went back twice. And um, he found, recommitted his life to God and watching him today, because we prayed for him and prayed for him and prayed for him and prayed for him. And, and watching what he's doing now, he's him and his dad have been reunited. They're building a business together that is um, going to transform um, the way we care for the planet. And he's just full on love for God. And it's just amazing. I'm thinking of Phil, who we prayed and prayed and prayed for, drug addict, alcoholic, went into rehab, prayed and prayed and prayed for him. He's now one of the leaders of that organization, and and he's happy, he's rejoicing, he's a drummer in our church, he loves church, 
He loves God. And that's the role that we get to play as small church pastors, the intimate personal relationship with God that we have. And then we minister in the various dynamics that we do. And then we watch God at work and we say, God, that is just so good to see. And that's the power of what small churches really are all about. Or, of course, any church is all about is having an impact on people's lives. And that's what I love about the small church. Yeah, that's that's the money right there, John. Uh, that's mm. that's what Jeff and I, I think, started this for, mm. I hope. It's at least mm-hmm. what we found ourselves doing, if that's not why we started mm-hmm. it at first five years mm-hmm. ago, is to say, hey, pastor, you spend a lot of your time probably feeling less than because yes. of your yes. church size. Yes. Because there's there's people out there who literally make their money telling you that you should grow your church. <laughs> yes. um, and what if instead you heard the voice of God say, uh, you're doing important work for the kingdom oh, and being released absolutely. into that. I mean, that's I mean, that's it for me it at is. this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I think the creativity that God can give us mm-hmm. through people like Texted Church and all those other guys that do amazing things. They're great resources, and I love the stuff that they're doing. It's then say God says, you know, do this, go that way. Listening to God lead and guide us and inspire us. If I I want to encourage local church pastors to believe in themselves more, to lead confidently and boldly with the vision God's given them, and to know God because that's the purpose God's going to birth in you and it's going to help you sustain you for the long term. And I've been doing this for over 40 years, and I love it. Today I love it even more than ever before the power of what the local church can do and the transformation it can bring in into its community. That's awesome. John, you man, 40 years, you've got to be, you're pretty old. I mean, you're a lot older. Than, than I, am. So, no, I started when I was 15 or so. <laughs> so you, you speak with wisdom, but I like the fact that, you know, you and your wife started a church you planted a church. It's it's up, it's mm. up over a hundred now, and, mm. and you're speaking to pastors of small churches, uh, like Johnny and I did for you know four four and a half years out out of the context of a small church, and, yep. and so uh, th- that's one of the reasons why I I find myself surrounding myself with small church pastors because mm. again that we're, we're just all pastors, and I that's love right. I love hanging out with other pastors and really, yeah. uh, really get encouraged by that. So John, you've given a lot of affirmation, inspiration, and encouragement to pastors. So we're going to give you one more at bat, uh, the parting mm-hmm. shot, the parting shot, speak into the life of a small church pastor who is realizing that what he has in front of him every Sunday and during the week are, are, are literally the lives of people and the spiritual lives of people and the spiritual lives of kids and, and some teenagers and, and talk into that pastor's uh, heart and life about his role in the lives of those people. Cut, cut, cut. There I go again, saying him, assuming every pastor listening is a guy. So to the women pastors who listen, there are many of you. Helen, we just talked about you in this episode. Forgive me. I need to say him or her, his or her, he or she. I know better. I know better. We've been doing this for five years. And as I'm editing this, I hear myself assuming every pastor is a guy. 
And so, for the record, on the 200 Churches podcast, we speak to all pastors about ministry issues, trying to encourage and inspire and affirm and sometimes educate them uh, in their role as pastors. So, with that explanation, uh, apology, correction, and uh, uh, intention to do better, let's get back to John's parting shot. My message would be, from from Philippians, where Paul says, press on toward the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Our role is to stand in front, whether it be in the pulpit or in conversation or in fellowship or in small groups or in relationship, and help people do what Paul, at the end of his life, was saying. Press on to the upward call of God in Christ Jesus, because there is still a great work for us to be done. I, I, I love the message, what Joshua says. You know, there is, Joshua and Caleb said, there is still yet much more land. And I, I remember preaching that recently and, and loved on the people, and I loved preaching it because we're pouring our heart into their heart, our spirit into their spirit, our mind into their mind. And if there is some kind of transfer that can take place that we can connect and say, and somebody would say, yeah, I can do that. I can press on in the difficulty of a marriage breakdown. I can press on in the difficulty of losing a job. I can press on when my kids are rebelling. I can press on even though I'm just feeling really bad today. I can press on, you know, my business is going great. I can press on. I've been married for 50 years. You know, I can press on. My kids have started a business. And all the dynamics of life, I think if we as pastors can help help people, I, I, I do this. I I encourage pastors to not have eyes down, but eyes up that look to the horizon. And that's what Paul is saying to us in Philippians. Look to the horizon because the cloud is coming. The rain's going to fall. The king is coming. And uh, watch what he does in and through our lives is simply amazing. And uh, that's what we do. And then we trust the Holy Spirit to lead and guide and inspire and help people become the God people that uh, he's destined them to be. That's awesome. I love it. I love it. Now, and you know, Johnny, uh, this is kind of, this can kind of be our outro right here, even though John's with us. Uh, it just seems to me if we were to have to pit John Finkeldi against John Hardy <laughs> and make it a competition, it just seems to me to be somewhat immoral because they're kind of brothers <laughs> No, 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 no. We should do it seriously. seriously. <laughs> we don't need a Perth civil war, you know, brother against brother. I, I think we the C three against the AAC. ACC. That's right. Absolutely, and we're yeah. bigger and better. <laughs> oh, I don't know. It's it's it is awesome. You know, when when Johnny. When Johnny and I started this thing, did we ever imagine we'd be talking to friends no. in Perth, Australia? No. That's mm. the furthest mm. thing from our mind. And, Absolutely. And Fingeldi, Fingeldi talks about walking the, the, the beautiful paths, the nature paths of Perth, sometimes walking yeah. on, the, on the shore Far. with his earbuds in, listening to us talk and listening mm-hmm. to our guests. And mm-hmm. that's just so cool. Well, I'll, I'll never get over it. He'll listen to this one and he'll know that John Hardy thinks he's better. <laughs> 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 and, that's, and, 
Take that, John. That's what Take I Take that, absolutely. <laughs> and, and there's there's no opportunity for Finkelty to save face in this either. No, no opportunity. No, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> well, hey, uh, but John, I think you guys, you guys are great what you're doing. I, I think I know as a local church pastor listening to you guys, I loved it. Let me encourage you guys, keep doing it because we small church pastors need this message and need to be encouraged by what you're doing and what you're saying. So keep doing it, boys. Well, that, that's kind of you, John. John, if, if people wanted to follow you or, or get a hold of you or anything, where do they go? Where are you? On that? Um, well, I'm. Um, my business is called Peak, P-E-A-K, Consultancy. And so that's simply peakconsultancy.com.au. And they can find my website, and in early February, they'll find a brand new website uh, with a lot more information, a lot more of what I'm up to and getting doing. So uh, that's the way to find me, and I'd love to have chats and help um, uh, local church pastors help them become all that they can be. Very cool, So you're, man. you're John at peakconsultancy.com. Dot .au. .au. Oh, yeah. We're, we're dot au. We're Australians. Come on, man. So that's your <laughs> so that's your uh, your email address is dot au. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah. So okay. we're your dot com. We dot com dot au. It, it, I didn't the, notice the that. South okay. of the equator on the southern hemisphere, the internet doesn't work without extra letters. It's like the toilet. Right. Do you know what I'm saying? Oh, <laughs> yeah. So that's that's the thing down there. <laughs> oh dear, I'll remember that. Well, I, I get a little confused with the dot coms and the dot whatever. Johnny <laughs> has to help. Johnny has to give me some assistance, you know, and help me along yeah. with it. So. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, hey, John, thank you for joining us today. Johnny, thank you for uh, doing, I don't know, you didn't do much, but whatever you did. I I look good. (laughs) Thank you so much. And hey, we look forward to next week. We'll be back with another episode of the 200 Churches Podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and inspired by this episode of the 200 Churches Podcast. If you haven't already, subscribe at 200churches.com. And to access every one of our hundreds of past episodes, go to 200churches.com slash podcast. You can count on us to be back next Wednesday with yet another brand new awesome episode recorded specifically for small church pastors just like you. So until next week, may God bless you as you lead and love the people in your 200 church. And culture is so fascinating because we're actually in ministry. We're actually doing cross-cultural communications all the time. And it's understanding the culture, you know, like now, uh, the boomers versus the millennials. You know, they think so weirdly. I'm, I'm working hard to try to figure out how they think because they will be the largest employment group uh, within the next 10, 15 years oh. uh, across Western culture. When and if we, we don't understand them, we're going to be in trouble. When we get out of our parents' basements, I'm sure. <laughs> yes, Johnny, come on, come on, grow up. Come on, Johnny. John- get, take, the kids with, take the kids with you, Johnny. They need a better room. <laughs> Johnny likes to talk about how old he was when he got married, had his first kid, bought his house, had his first dog, and built his own deck. Yes, I do. I do like to talk about that. Those irresponsible millennials. I like to talk about it. Well, I had to hook my I had to hook my wagon onto Johnny's hitch early on yeah. so that I'd have, oh, cred- so I'd have credibility later on in life. So. You do. You have it. You're yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. Like you, to- you're doing it a really yeah, it's a good way. It's really good. It's good it's good to be able to catch up with you and chat with you guys. Because I know when I listen to two hundred churches, I listen to the outtakes. 
uh, right to the end. And it's interesting some of the things that actually happen in the outtakes. They're really fun. Oh, They're really this, fun. This one will feature you saying something bad about Fink, so I'm excited. Yeah, for that's that. right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Pop, pop, pop.